And I know the clock is ticking, so get your Bibles out, if you would, please. And go ahead and find Genesis chapter 11 as you're being waited upon. Genesis chapter 11. And as the men are waiting upon you, as the kids are finding their way out, I'm going to begin to do the quick review, all right? So everybody listen as I do the quick review. We've been talking about living life from the inside out. The inner man and the outer man. The outer man is what we would define as your body. And your body is dominated by your five senses. You touch, you taste, you hear, you see, you, you uh, touch, taste, smell. Five senses. And without any restraint or without any act of God, in every normal situation, your body will be dominated by your five senses. We talked about that uh, when I was with you uh, on, on our last occasion. The inner man, however, is the place of connection and communion to God. The inner man, all of us know that there's this outer shell, but we all know that there's something going on inside that shell. And that's called the inner man. Now, there are two areas of the inner man we mentioned that are very important. One is the spirit part of you, which is the place where God dwells and works with you. So if you want to know where God is as he moves inside of you, it's in that portion of your being that we call the spirit. The Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit that what? You are the children of God. All right, that's where he interacts with you. Now, there's another portion of you that's called the soul. And the soul is the decision center. The soul is that part of you that will be uh, worked by either your senses or by your spirit as to what you will think, what you will feel, and the ultimate decisions you're going to make. So that's where your mind, your will, and your emotion is located. Very, very important. And the key is that your soul yields to your spirit so that your mind and your emotions will cause you to make good decisions. And remember, good decisions equal what? Good, good decisions, good life. Bad decisions, bad life. It's revelation, isn't it? Amen. So your inner man will be the key to your quality of life. And this is why we've said this. Your inner man will be the key to your quality of life, not your outside man. Now, my wife and I, we've been talking about this. You know, we're going we're gonna to get on a, a, a diet, a regiment to get the shell looking a little bit better. We want to be sure we live for as long as God would, would uh, want us to live. So there are some things you need to do with the shell that are important, like take a bath, take a shower. Amen? So, so we work on the shell. But it's the inner man that will ultimately determine the quality of life that you're going to live. And we brought this out of Ephesians 3.16, that he would grant you, Paul said, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit, where? In the inner man. Now, why is that important? Last time we told you in verse 20, it says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works where in us so there is something in you that if you can tap and you can access and you yield to if you will do this 
then you can experience something that is exceedingly abundantly greater than you could even ask or think. I don't know about you. I want that sign-up sheet out. Put my name down for that. Amen? I heard a story recently of the king of Saudi Arabia. The king of Saudi Arabia loved the game of golf. And he invited on an occasion a club PGA pro to come to Saudi Arabia. He was a lower level, what we would call a lower level pro, to come to Saudi Arabia because he'd heard what a great coach he was and he wanted some golf tips, he wanted a few lessons. And so he flew uh, this PGA pro over to Saudi Arabia in order to help him with his golf game. And after the pro had given him some tips and had worked with him a little bit, the king said to him, what would you like? And that PGA pro said, well, you know, I'm actually a collector of unique and historical golf clubs. He said, I have, I have old antique drivers and I have all kinds of things, but, but uh, I, uh, I am a, a collector of antique golf clubs. And so uh, the king said, okay, I'll, I'll send you one. And so the club pro went back to America, all the while thinking, well, I wonder what he'll send me. I wonder what he'll offer me. I, I, I wonder how he'll do this. And uh, he started thinking, maybe he'll get me one of these diamond-studded, you know, drivers. Or, or maybe he will get me like a gold iron. Or maybe some uh, ancient uh, antique historical wooden stick or something. I, I mean, I wonder what the king, the Saudi Arabia might get for me and it was just a week or two later that a letter arrived in the mail and uh, the PGA pro looked at it and, and he saw it was from the king of Saudi Arabia and he thought to himself, what in the world uh, would he be sending me this letter for? It's strange. And as he opened it, uh, inside of it was a letter and some paperwork that was actually a deed to a 500-acre newly built 18-hole golf club. See, he collected golf clubs. Are you, are you following me now? Uh, he, yeah, the, the king gave him an actual golf club. Now, I tell you that story to simply underscore this. Kings think differently than most people. Is that not true? Kings think differently than most people. The Lord thinks differently than you and I think. In fact, the scripture says, as a man thinks in his heart, what? So we've, we've got to understand that there has to be something that happens in our mind that changes in order that we might begin to see and experience the exceedingly abundant beyond that which we could ask or think. If that is true, and we believe the Bible to be true, right? then how many of you know that we're living somewhere far beneath what the Bible says actually the people of God could live at? I want to explore that a little bit this morning. And if you have your Bibles, turn it to Genesis chapter 11. And I want to read to you what I have entitled The Power of Your Imagination. The golf pro was thinking about one stick in his golf bag. The king was thinking about 500 acres of a brand new golf club. 
How many of you know that's exceedingly abundantly above all that that golf pro was thinking about? I want to be there. I believe God wants us to get there. And one of the keys to getting there is understand, understanding how he works within your imagination, the power of your imagination. Let me read a passage to you uh, that's familiar, but uh, I, I, I want to I put an angle on it here. Genesis 11, verse 1, it says, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one. In other words, they're in unity. And they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they purpose to do will be withheld from them. Now, the fact of the matter is that uh, this is the account of the Tower of Babel. And God is not pleased, as we know in this story, he's not pleased with what they're doing. In fact, some scholars believe that the people were actually building this tower because they believed that if they built it high enough, they could literally access the spirit realm. So some thought it even to believe maybe a pagan tower. We don't know exactly, but we know that God's not pleased with the fact that they are building this tower. But in verse 6, this last verse, there's a precept at work that some of your Bibles may translate this way. But you won't see it unless you know the Hebrew or you have a Bible that picks it up. But actually, the word purpose is the word imagine. For nothing that they purpose will be withheld from them. What the Lord was actually saying was this, that nothing that they imagine would be withheld from them. So the Lord is saying if they harness their imagination, anything is possible your imagination will unlock everything as to what god may want to do in your life just because something seems impossible or just because it's never happened before doesn't mean that it can't happen for the bible says for nothing is impossible with god is that not true so the minute you say that's not possible, it can't happen, it's not for me, I can't see it, you're automatically in a realm outside of what God would have for you. Your imagination was given to you, created in you by the Lord himself in order for you to have the inner eyes of the inner man to begin to see what might be possible in the exceedingly abundant that God wants to do in all of our lives. So we need to understand the place of the imagination you were created with a place in your mind to imagine how many of you know that's true in fact as god puts things in your spirit it was meant that as he causes it to arise in your spirit that your soul accesses it and as your mind lays hold of it what happens is you begin to vision the very will of God or the very purposes of God. So your eyes on the inside begin to see through the imagination 
what it is that God has for you. And though it doesn't look that way by your natural sight, because remember, your senses are what dominate your outer man. So your natural eyes are always trying to dominate the way you think and the way you feel in order that you might make decisions that are contrary to the will of God. I I, I hate to go back and reteach that lesson, but it's really important. People see their circumstance, they see what's going on, and, and because of what they see, they begin to process that into their reality. When God's saying, don't you trust these eyes all the time, trust the eyes of the inner man. And as you begin to imagine with these eyes on the inside, you're going to begin to see me do things that are utterly impossible. Now, children, interestingly, seem to have the ability to demonstrate this area best. The reason being, I think, is because most children have not been hit like adults have been hit with hurts and wounds. And we're going to open this can up about what takes away the imagination in another message down the road But how many of you know children have a great imagination? Girls play tea party. They get the whole tea party set up and they want their dad to sit down in the little chair and play with them in this tea party. Or they wear their princess outfits because they want to be a princess. Boys play army. They play cowboys. They want to be athletes. Have you ever seen a boy? I mean, we went through this time period with, with our son, Clay. We're not, we're not proud of it, but I'll share it with you. We went through this stage where we weren't sure whether or not we wanted him to interact with guns. We've long, we've long tossed that out. But here's, here's the DNA of a boy. You may not give him a toy gun, but he will go to his Fisher-Price toolbox and pull out the plastic hammer or the plastic saw, and he'll run around with that thing shooting everybody. With that plastic saw in his hand. <laughs> You know, and that's what Clay did. He'd put it in his belt and he'd run around and that was his done. This is my done. That's a DNA of a boy. He's going to shoot a gun or he's going to get the broomstick out of the closet. And that's going to be his bazooka. How many of you know, some of our boys, what do they do? They go get a towel out of the closet. They put it around their neck with the clothespin and they're a superhero. Because it's in their imagination. Listen, I remember, I remember, this, is, this was just the beginning, I think, of some of God's dealings. When I was in elementary school, I had a desperate desire for a mini bike. Anybody remember getting Sears catalogs and looking through Sears catalogs, and they had those mini bikes in there? It's like a lawnmower engine, you know, you'd kind of pull, and, and, and I, I wanted a mini bike. What I really wanted, though, was like a Honda. I just didn't want any mini bike, I wanted the Honda. I would have taken a Honda 50, but if I could have got a Honda 70, oh, that was the, that was the bike I really wanted. And I remember, and it, I remember this like it was yesterday. I would, I would walk home from elementary school, and I can remember dreaming as I was walking, saying, I don't know if I was saying, oh, Lord, or not, I don't remember, but I was just going, oh, 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 that dad would have gone to the Honda dealer. It got a mini bike like that, and it was waiting for me there in the garage. Oh, and, and I mean, day after day after day after day. And I really would. I would envision it because some of my friends had those kind of mini motorcycles. And uh, never happened. Never happened until, until I was in about the ninth grade. And interestingly enough, uh, in the ninth grade, my dad, uh, unbeknownst to me, went out and got me a Honda this is about five years later, a Honda 
SL125. That's a bigger bike. I mean, that thing would go about 65, 70 miles an hour, man. You could, and it was about five years later, but that, but that dream in my imagination finally came to pass. Now, hear me when I say that. It's, maybe that's a dumb story to you, but it's an important story. That, that there were years, I know there were years between me walking home from school until ultimately seeing a manifestation of what I had imagined that was exceedingly abundantly more than I was asking or thinking, right? But it's an important punctuation mark on the principles of the message today to tell you that we have got to get in our imagination and not allow it to evaporate that God is wanting to do some things that, that He has for us, but the only thing that's keeping us from getting there is that we have lost the ability to imagine. We never connect the dots between the imagination and the manifestation. In fact, we deprecate and we abuse our imaginations, which is what we see, I think, at the Tower of Babel. They were imagining something, but they were, they were imagining something all wrong. They wanted to build a tower to make a name for themselves. And I'm telling you that, 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 that God says this, if I don't intervene, their imagination is so powerful what is going on that nothing will be withheld from them. That's God speaking to a bunch of people who are doing something against his will. He says they're imagining this, they're purposing this, and they will complete this. Nothing will be withheld unless I intervene. That's the power of the imagination that's rolling inside of human beings. We don't understand that God created us with that imagination, not, not that we might move away from him, but that through that we might begin to see his purposes made known in the earth. We all know, though, that kids daydream, don't they, in school. Kids can make up stories. Have you ever heard this phrase, don't let your imagination run away with you? Have you ever heard that? Oh, he's got a runaway imagination. In fact, I want to just suggest that technology, for all of its benefits, is stealing our imagination. I mean, I mean years ago, I didn't have all the iPads and and phones and everything. I mean, my little grandson Jude, you hand him a, some electronics and you watch those thumbs go. I mean, it's the most, three years old. He knows more about that iPhone at three than I do at 58. I'm not joking either. He makes that thing move, he swishes, he knows what to push, he knows all of that. Now, I, I'm not against that and I think it's kind of cool that kids are that intuitive with technology and God knows what they'll do in the future. But I'm just telling you, think about how different it is for our kids today and what they have to keep them, keep them happy or going and what it is that some of us grew up with. Some of us grew up with our parents kicking us out the back door saying, have a good day. I don't know what you're going to do, but it isn't going to be in the house. And you'd do anything. You'd make all kinds of things up. You played baseball and, and you dreamed of being in some major league stadium or or the superhero part, or the sticks. Oh, I know the one. Or you go get one of those uh, uh, just uh, narrow, long, thin sticks, and you go out with your friends, and you'd have sword fights. It's a wonder all our eyes aren't poked out. Because we're King Arthur, or someone else, Sir Lancelot. 
And again, it's, it's not that it's necessarily bad, but it's stealing something. We have game apps and we have Xbox and iPads and it is stealing imagination. You know, the Bible speaks even about vain imaginations or futile imaginations and even evil imaginations. Do you understand? We're all one click away from getting in trouble on a computer. Now hear me when I say this, that is, that is futile, evil, vain imaginations, which is why the Bible most often tells us this, cast down those imaginations. You need to cast them down. That's not the will of God. That's not the purpose of God. It's corrupted. All of our beings, it becomes, in fact, sometimes the corruption turns into speculation when you begin to envision a false picture. All of this, all of this, we have a generation which rarely sees the impossible or the exceedingly abundant because our imaginations are either corrupted or they're shut down. Your imagination is linked, is to be linked to your spirit, which is the key to Ephesians 3.20. How, how does this exceedingly abundant, beyond that which you could ask or think, how does that that's moving in you begin to be manifested out of you? It is through the imagination. Our problem is we don't understand it, we don't foster it, we don't submit, submit our imagination to God. I've often said, you know, there's a difference. You know, God can do anything. I mean, he could make the sky rain with gold bricks. He could send us a unicorn. Purple in color. Now I understand, you know, we make the statement God can do anything and then, and then we want to make up some silly picture like that. God can do anything, but it's not us generating just some silly picture, but God can do anything in the sense that he wants to do something that's beyond what man could even conceive of himself and he wants to be able to do it in such a way that when people see it, they say things like, I'd have never thought of that. Who would have imagined that? I would have never thought. I would have thought that was impossible. Do you understand long before man flew in an airplane, somebody had to imagine man flying in an airplane? So because we won't imagine, we spend most of our time casting down all of our false imaginations. So what we need to begin to do is to understand the biblical place of imagination. Now, if you've never had opportunity to read the book, I'd encourage you to read the book by uh, Paul Yonggi Cho. He wrote a book probably decades ago now that was called The Fourth Dimension. Now, you don't have to agree with everything that's in the book, and I'm not sure I agree with everything that's in the book, but there's enough in it that it leads to this point, that you have to link your faith to what you see. You see, all of us want to say that we have faith, but the question is, what's your faith linked to? Your faith must be linked to something that God has put in your spirit that you're beginning to see even in your imagination. If you don't do that, you have faith, but your faith isn't working the way it needs to be working. And the other question is, well, if that be true, Pastor, then how does that begin to take place? The Hebrew word meditate can literally be translated imagine. 
You know, the scripture itself tells us that we're to meditate on certain things. I'm going to read a couple passages here in just a moment. But when the Bible says that we're to meditate on certain things, what it's literally saying there is that we are to imagine certain things. You're to ponder these things. You're to begin to envision these things, to see these things. You know, when, it, there, there's a strain of Christianity right now that every time they hear the word meditate, they think it's talking about some Eastern, uh, Buddhistic, Hinduistic, Eastern philosophy that we need to reject. Well, I believe that, that Jesus and the Holy Scriptures called the Bible are the only way. It's the only access. It's the only revelation that we have from God. I believe that with all of my heart. But here's the deal. Just because certain groups have hijacked the word meditate doesn't mean that I'm going to let it go. If the Bible tells me to meditate on something the Bible says to meditate upon, I can rest assured that that's a good meditation. So Joshua, just for an example, Joshua and the promised land. Let me go through this quickly. I'm going to run through this quickly. Moses dies, Joshua chapter 1. Joshua arises to the forefront. God begins to give him the promise to arise, go over the Jordan, you and all this people to the land which I'm giving to you. Listen, God didn't say you're going to have to buy it, did he? He said, I'm going to give it to you. It's just like me. I didn't say to buy a car, I'm going to give you one. You know what? There's some things God wants to give you. You got to believe that. See that. How's that going to happen? I don't know. It's, it's impossible, but not with God. It goes on to say, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, and he begins to tell them the boundaries. Now, why is he telling Joshua the boundaries of all of these things you know why he wants him to begin to what see it see it and I can hear Joshua going that's big that's 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 a lot of land is that even possible but God says no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses I'll be with you I'll not leave you nor forsake you be strong and of good courage for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong, very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law, or what we would know now as the scriptures, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. So he gives them this gigantic promise. It's more than they could have imagined. It's impossible for them to do on their own. So what does he have them do? It says in verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall what? You shall meditate in it day and night. You shall ponder it. You shall begin to envision it. You shall see it. It will be inside of you that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Can I tell you why? And I'm saying this to me and I am now repenting and getting back on the right track. Do you know why we don't see the success we'd like to see at times? It's because we've not gotten our imagination involved in it. We've not begun to envision and to see what God has said in his word. 
and because of that, it has circumvented the very success that God has wanted to bring into our lives. We've got to begin to imagine, to begin to envision, to begin to see all that was promised. Now hear me when I say this. The reason a generation had to be wiped out before they could get into their promised land was because when they went into the promised land to spy it out, this is the report that came back. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, who came from the giants. And this is what, this is what the report that spread through the camp, this is what, what the report said. It said, and we were like what? Grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. In other words, the way they saw themselves was the way their enemies began to see them. And they saw all they could see, this is what they could see in the natural, giants, big boys, tougher, bigger, and all we see from us is grasshoppers. That was their imagination. And the very imagination that they had was keeping them from going into the promised land. God said, I must wipe that out. And he wiped it out in order that he could get another generation who could envision something more than a grasshopper. They could envision themselves as giant killers. And it all started not on the battlefield of Jericho. It all started in between their ears, in their imagination. Now let's just give us a practical illustration. Can we get beyond, can we get beyond cars and beach houses? Some of you here right now, probably this is where you need to start. You would say to me, I need peace, pastor. My life is in upheaval. I need joy. I need to get rid of anxiety and of worry. How do I do this? I, I, I'm constantly in upheaval. Well, what, what did the Bible tells us? We're to meditate on what the book says. So let's, let's read. Paul said to the Ephesians, who apparently were facing some of the same things, be anxious for nothing, he says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's a great verse, isn't it? How do I do that? Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, what does it say? One, one more time, meditate on these things. So you have to begin to see yourself joyful. You gotta see yourself peaceful. You gotta see yourself prosperous. You gotta see yourself free from whatever it is that's holding you. You gotta see yourself healthy you got to begin to see that place in your life. Quit imagining failure. Quit imagining how it's going to all fall apart. Quit imagining the trap door. Quit imagining those things that will defeat you. Begin to imagine. This is what you have to do. You say, but I've had so many trap doors. Then imagine a trap door that leads you to the best place ever. His word is true. So where do we start? And this is where we're going to go. How do I clean and refire this imagination? Now, I had a long story to tell you, so I'm going through this swiftly, but we're going to come back and, and we'll follow up in some of these passages. How do I clean and refire the imagination? Number one is this, and I exhorted everyone to this this morning. We must participate 
in praise. Participate in praise. It says in Psalm 4, it says, be angry, don't sin. Meditate or imagine within your heart on your bed and be still. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. This is what he's saying there. You know, you know what now in the New Testament, what the sacrifice is? Sacrifice is praise, exactly. So what do I do? I meditate, I imagine on my bed, I'm still, and I begin to praise the Lord. I begin to offer the praises of God. We've got to get into the thank habit instead of the gripe habit. Praising God activates your imagination. Lord, I thank you. I thank you. I should have been doing this for four years. Who knows? I could have got that car probably in six months if I'd have got my act together. But I got to say, thank you, Lord. I, I responded to you and I did what you asked me to do. And, and it, I, I'm going to be honest with you. It's, it's out there. I'm a little anxious, worry. But you know what? I'm not going to meditate on my anxiety or my worry. I'm going to meditate on what's coming my way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meditate and imagine, God, you've got good things for me. You're going to open doors of opportunity. You're going to bring people into the house of God. You're going to bring family members back, uh, back into the kingdom of God. Lord, I'm imagining it right now. I'm not going to get in an uproar about this anymore. I'm imagining that, that God, you're going to do something exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ask or think. And I'm going to let you know, Jesus, I can think pretty big here, all right? But you're going to do even more than that. But it starts when you begin to praise God. And if we can't praise him when we gather together with those of like faith, we're in trouble. I already know that we're in trouble through the week. This is the easiest moment you'll have all week long to praise the Lord right here. This is where you can refuel your imagination. Why do I need to get in the house of God? It's because if we're doing this thing right, it's beginning to activate your imagination again. For whatever it is God has for you. Number two. You have to begin to speak God-inspired imagination. It's closely related to praise. Stop speaking against yourself. It says, I will meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. So we need to begin to talk about what God has done. You know, God's done a lot of good things. He's done good things for me. He's done good things for you. And if you don't have something you feel like that you can talk about, talk about what God's done in someone else's life. God, I saw what you did in pastor's life. I saw what you did in Joe's life. I saw what you did in Sally's life. I saw what you did in Jane's life. I saw what you did in Roger's life. Lord, I'm going to think about these things because you're no respecter of persons. And if you'll do it for them, you'll do it for me too. I'm going to begin to speak God-inspired imaginations. Quit saying, I'm poor, I'm unliked, I'm dumb. Nobody likes me. Nobody likes me. Nobody wants to be around me. People, people just, they just get upset with me. They use me. They do all these things to me. Quit it. Let's start speaking. I am liked. I am wanted. I am desired. People want to hear what I have to say. Hallelujah. I'm not poor. I'm rich. Let the weak say they are strong. Let the poor say they are rich. Let the sick say they are healed. I'm going to speak imagination. My, what has God said? God said that I'm to be well, that my needs were to be met. I can see it. I can see it. I'm going to begin to speak it. Number three is this. You've got to keep company with dreamers. You know why we lose sometimes the dreams in our imaginations? It's because of the company you keep. You know what happened to Joseph? Joseph... Joseph shared some dreams that he had with his brothers, and then they said to one another, look, the dreamer cometh, and, and you know what they did to him, right? They put him in a pit. 
Now, take this for what it's worth, but if the people you hang around gripe and complain, I'd get new friends. I'd get new friends. There's a moment to reach out, to help, to encourage, to lead along the way, but there comes a moment that you've got to determine if these people are not are not able to speak the possibilities and the dreams that God is giving, then you know what? I'm not going to let I'm not going to let them steal my dream. I'm not going to let them steal our dream together. That's what happens in church life. People begin to find something to gripe about or something to complain about, and then they just begin to to yeah-yeah about something until finally they lose the dream of why the gathering exists. And they lose it. And that's why you can have... Uh, and it's happened to me on several occasions but you can have a life group and all of a sudden you'll see a whole life group go somewhere else why it's because they hang around each other you know somehow endorsing each other's futile imaginations until finally they walk out the futility keep company with dreamers people that gather to gripe are not going anywhere and finally, number four, you got to imagine God's future for you. This is what he told Timothy. He says, do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy. Now, maybe not everyone in this building has received a personal prophetic word. Many of you have, but you get preaching every week. Which, by the way, this is as prophetic as any personal word. If you're sitting here, God's speaking to you. I'm talking to some people right now in a, in a most important, direct way, even though you're in a crowd and I'm up here. This is your personal word. He says, don't neglect what's being shared with you by prophecy. At this with Timothy, with the laying on of hands of the eldership. What does he say? He says what? Meditate on these things. Imagine what has God said? What has God said to you? Are you imagining these things? Give yourself, it says, entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. So where would God have you to be in five years? You say, well, I'm not exactly sure. Well, what has he said to you? What are some dreams? You know, everybody in this room today, if you've not done it, needs to go home, get out a piece of paper, and you need to write down five to ten dreams that you honestly believe are God's desire and design for you. Don't, don't try to be the worm. Believe God for great and mighty things, exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think. Begin to write them down and begin to meditate and don't let it go. Don't let it go. Because even if you aren't at that exact place, this is how I used to put it, it is better to shoot for the stars and land on the moon than to shoot for nothing and make it. It is better to imagine the impossible and only get halfway there than to imagine the futile and you succeeded. Are you hearing me? we got to start thinking and imagining different, even in our context. Have we got challenges? Sure. I can come in here every day and I can preach to you what my natural eyes see and what my natural emotions feel. I could do that. And I would be honest. I would be transparent. And I'm not saying there's not a place for that. 
but that place must yield to what God has said and what he has determined and what he has put in your spirit to begin to see to take place. And we must begin to see that. And I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish with this and I'm done. And, and someone, if you'll let Brad know, uh, we're going to need them back in here so we can, we can sing the song again that God can move mountains. I'm curious, how many of you have been to Disney? Disney World, Disneyland, is that just about, not everybody, but it looks like almost everybody. Everybody's heard of Disney, right? Or have you been to Universal? Yeah. This is, this is remarkable. I didn't know this. But there's a division in Disney where they have hired engineers. And they pay them, now understand these are engineers, and they pay them massively big six-figure salary. So we're talking probably the lowest paid engineers, probably about 150K, and, and they're probably, some of them are making quarter of a million dollars. And, and they come every day to Disney, and they sit in a room, and their job every day, listen, is to imagine. That's all they do. They, they are told to go in this room and you cannot say, this is, this is, this is, you'll get fired. I don't know if you'll get fired, but I'm, I'm imagining you wouldn't last long. You would be fired if you said something like, that's just not possible. Nobody's done that before. I can't see it. No way. This type of vocabulary isn't allowed in that room. They sit in this room and they imagine things for theme parks that have never been done before. And you know what they're called? They're called Imagineers. That's what they're called. And they make hundreds of thousands of dollars to just imagine. Do you know, and I didn't know this, back when NASA was in its full funding and form, that NASA would send its engineers to the Imagineers in order that they would help them think through scenarios they might face in space that they have no answer for. But they wanted to begin to get the answer before they ever sent people into space to do that. Can you imagine NASA sent people to Disney? Wouldn't that make you feel good if you were an astronaut? Endorsed by Disney, go take a trip into space. The imagination. You, you don't have any idea what could be in your life. I don't have any idea what could be in my life. If I could just understand that imagination. If I could begin to see what God sees. See, here's, here's some of you. This is where you need to start. You have a family member that needs to be in the house of God. Guys, come on up. And you see this chair right here? You need to begin to see a chair that he or she is sitting in. Amen? That's their chair. And every Sunday you come, you just say, that's their chair. That's their chair. Yeah, somebody's sitting in that chair today, but we'll get them out of that chair because that chair, that chair is for my loved one. And that chair right there. That's where some of you need to begin. You need to begin to see things that you'd say, there's no way. It's impossible. God's saying, now you're on my ground. But, 
but you got it but you've got to get it you've got to see it you know i always wondered for example we'll have to get back and preach on this one too i suppose when god told abraham to come out of his tent and he said look in the sky he said what do you see and you know what the first thing out of his mouth was stars because you know what he was speaking his natural sight god said what do you see out there i see a bunch of stars you know what god said god said i'll tell you what i see i see a people i see i see your family tree greater than all the stars that you can see in the heavens that's what god said that's what i see and here was the question the question was abraham are you going to see with what this sees or are you going to see with what this sees i'll just tell you as pastor i you can ask me what do you see i see well i see i see some some great people here this morning and i see some empty seats you know what god says i see four or five services at least so kevin what are you going to choose to see What about your life? What is it that you see with your natural eyes and what might God see instead? We all have it. We all have it at a, at a, at a moment that, that it can become incredibly personal. What do you see? What does God see? And sometimes I don't think we ask because, and I'm going to get to this message, I don't know when, I'm going to get to the reason our imagination evaporates and, and one of the biggest reasons is disappointment. That's one of the biggest reasons we lose our imagination. It's because we've been so disappointed. But before I can get there, I just have to sow into you the beginning thought, and that is this, that inside of you, there is all that is necessary for God to do the impossible. And all you have to say today is, you know what, I believe it, and I'm ready to dream again. And if you're there, then the Spirit of God will work with you. And he'll bring you to this place. Stand with me, will you? How many of you this morning in this place, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm already down here, but yet you would be honest enough to say to me, Pastor Kevin, I, honestly, I need, I need to dream again. I've got to get back to the place where I can dream again. And maybe for you, you're saying, I wish you would have preached the message on why it's evaporated. And we'll get there, but you've got to, you just got to say yes i i do i need to dream again i know i know i've lost some things because i've ceased to imagine i've ceased to meditate i've ceased to hear the word and envision the word and something as simple as peace and joy and hope and but yet maybe it's something as important as your future your job your career your retirement your finances your health all I know is I, I got to dream again. I got to dream again. 
this is what I want to ask. And, and, and again, if, if that's not you and you're not there, then, then there's, there's, there's no judgment within this house or at this moment. But I want to talk to those of you that are really ready to dream again. Would, would you come down with me? And let's just, we're building altars in these days, and I'm just gathering down front, and I'm just saying I'm ready to dream. I'm ready to imagine again. i got to envision and hear and, and sense and feel. And if that's you, just join with me. And I'm coming down here to the altars, the place where God dwells. I need to, I need to dream again. I need to dream again. I need to dream again. I remember, I remember when I went to elementary school and the teacher, there'd always be a couple kids in there, they'd daydream. They'd look out the window and they'd just, they'd go to another land somewhere. And the teacher would always look at them and say, hey, quit your daydreaming. Don't, don't let your imagination run wild. And they'd reel them back in. And it was important that they focused in their studies. I mean, we understand that, but I just start thinking about so many ways that we just quit dreaming. We quit imagining. Think, think about Abraham and Sarah, Zacharias and Elizabeth. I mean, they were going to have kids in their old age. They had to begin to envision these things. They had to see what God was saying. Are you seeing what God's saying? I know it's impossible. I got it. You can run to me and say, Pastor, there is no way this is impossible. I get it. But, but we're talking about that which is exceedingly abundantly beyond whatever you could ask or think. For with man, there are things that are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. I want that. Holy Spirit, ignite your people's imagination again. Um, ignite it in their life. And Lord, some of them, they've been, they've been hit. They've, they've had discouragements and setbacks. Lord, I could stand before you and I could enumerate discouragements and setbacks. And I have. But Lord, today as we come to the altars of, of the house of God, we just commit ourselves again that, Lord, we're shaking all of that off and we're saying, help us, Holy Spirit, ignite in us again the ability to hear and to see what it is that God is saying and painting before our very eyes and in our very ears. We want to imagine, we want to dream again. Lord, let the church be filled with imagineers. And it's easy to say, well, well, sure they could do anything at Disney World because they've got, they've got incredible resource. They've got billions of dollars that flood into there that they can, they can experiment with and they can do things with. And sure, it's easy for them because of the resources they have at their disposal. Lord, break us from this mentality. For greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And that our God has resource that would make disney look minuscule they would look to be impoverished because of the resources of our god we have no excuse so lord we present ourselves as imagineers again let us dream again let us dare to dream give us wisdom when we're to articulate it out loud and when we should just keep it to ourselves but Lord, let us dream. 
And let not the dream escape us, but Lord, let us be convinced that the dream is more real than what we see. That provides the hope. And I just pronounce there is no setback that takes you out. The righteous may fall six, yea, even seven times, but the Bible says they'll rise again. So you're coming back. We're coming back. And you'll move, Lord, whatever mountain, you'll do it again. What we've read in the scripture and shared this morning, you can do again. So, Lord, begin it in us. If no one else catches on, Lord, I'm thankful that you're working it in me. I want everybody to catch on. That's my heart. But, Lord, I can't make anybody step into your precepts. But, Lord, I'm praying that your Holy Spirit would woo people in. And that something inside of them would say yes and amen. My future, the glory of the latter house is greater than the former. The future is better than the past. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Not everybody will get on that train, but Lord, I'm on that train. And I thank you for doing that work. Lord, do it now in all your people right now. Come on, right now as you're standing here at the altars. You need to say things to the Lord. Don't wait. I'm not going to lay hands on you. Come on. We've been laying hands for years. And it hasn't changed anything. You need to right now as you're standing before the Lord. You need to say words like, Lord, ignite my imagination again. Ignite, ignite that dream area inside of me again. Lord, cause my faith to have something substantive in front of me that it can link to, that I can believe and say, this is God and I'll not be shaken from it. That I now know my future is better than my past. I know the days ahead, no matter what I face, are leading me to something better than I could have ever even thought of myself. You're not calling me to destruction. You're calling me to blessing. You're not calling me to, you're not calling me to poverty. You're calling me to some prosperity. And it's not just for my own sake, but it's for my household and it's for the kingdom for the poor that I can help and then look at them when I hand them maybe some money that feeds them I can look them in the eye and say listen there's a better day than just this five dollars I'm handing you come on you got to get this some of us need to get one of these moments listen I'm convinced I thank God I thank God that there was a I cast my bread upon the water and after many days it came back and, and I, 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 I'm tickled pink. It's not a pink Cadillac, but I am tickled pink. That there's a really neat vehicle and God did that for me. But hear me when I say this. I, I'm not stopping there. I'm sorry, I'm not stopping there. That God has some more big things planned. He's got some big things planned for you too. Because what he did for me, he'll do for you. He's not respecting me more than you. He wants to do that in you. Come on. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Reason you marched forward is because you said, I got to get in some of this. I, I got to step in some of this. Come on, we're letting the Holy Spirit reignite. You've got to say it though. Come on. Reignite in me the ability to dream, Lord. I got to start dreaming again. I got to start meditating again. On your word and what it says in your word, I got to crack open that Deuteronomy 28 and read that again and see what you've called me to. 
I've got to look at the life of Abraham again and see what you called me to because I'm a part of the seed of Abraham. Lord, I've got to begin to envision again and see again. You've got to say these things, man. It's got to come out of your mouth. And I know everything's clawing at you saying, really, you're going to set yourself up one more time for a disappointment. Listen, you can yield to that devilish voice if you want to, but I'm telling you, there's a place that you can break through and say, I don't care anymore. I'm going to envision something different. And no man, no man's going to take that away from me. No voice is going to take that away from me anymore. Come on, all things. That's why it says all things work together for good. He'll cause all things to work together for good. To those that love him and are called according to a purpose. That's why it doesn't matter what your situation is like at the moment. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It's like what Bill Murray said in his, one of his first movies in a crazy point. He just started banging chairs saying it just doesn't matter what I'm facing anymore. It just doesn't matter what they've said to me. It just doesn't matter anymore because God is the final say. And if you believe that, that's all that matters. Come on, have you said that before the Lord at His altars? Lord, let it rise up. Come on, help me Holy Spirit. Help me Holy Spirit. Lord, I'm feeling it and I'm sensing it in this service. But Lord, help me, help me, help me. It's going to be hard when I walk out of here. It's going to be hard Monday morning. It's going to be hard through the week. Help me, help me, help me. I'm going to need you. Come on, the Holy Spirit is saying, meditate in my word, meditate in my word. Come on, meditate in my word. Envision it, envision it. Put the app on your phone, get it on your iPad, carry your Bible with you in your car. Come on, envision it. And he will make your way successful. Come on. Come on, Brad, if you're ready, I think we're ready to kind of sing.